0: Thanks for stopping by Solving for Bee, the podcast where we discuss and explore the art and science of branding. Today we'll explain and map out the process for designing a brand that accurately conveys who your company is. So whether you're at home, at your desk, or commuting in between, settle in for an insightful episode of Solving for Bee with Brand Extract.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Solving for B. I'm Chris Wilkes, digital content specialist here at Brand Extract, uh, and today we're going to discuss brand identity and how to create a brand that accurately communicates your brand story. Um, to help us break down the topic today, uh, I'm joined by senior designer Chris Jones. Hello. Uh, senior copywriter Jeff Lane. Good morning. And director of user experience Cynthia Estepet.
2: Hey there.
1: So, uh, so to start, let's define what, uh, what is a brand identity. Um, what are kind of the elements that make up uh, a brand identity?
0: Well, anything uh, in which a customer interacts with in your company, whether it's your name, uh, signage, uh, whether if they hear a com- commercial on the radio, if they see a video on your website, um, if a salesperson is talking to you, um, in any way that your company is expressed to a customer or a vendor, um, that's a, that's an element of your brand. And so um, when we're developing a brand, we need to make sure that all of those various touch points are consistent. And so does that come
1: in, I mean, on, on top of that, is there like, you know, obviously there's logo, there's... I mean, I've seen you guys. Right, so
3: so you have the actual identity elements, which typically consists of a logo, your typefaces, your color palettes. It can be how you use photography. It can be how, if you have an illustration style, icon styles. Uh, now it's also sound. There's a lot of, you know, if you think about like cell phones, the little rings they make. Uh, what's the... Uh, Google, you know the little Google Play things and the Amazon Fire things and the way their voices are—all those are touch points, musical yeah. signatures, musical right. signatures, right? All those are different pieces to your uh, brand's identity system.
2: Yeah. communication styles, everything. Mm-hmm. So.
1: And it, it sounds like Jeff. I think you were touching on this. It's like even the way that your sales folks talk about um, talk about your brand, the way the way they communicate, the things that they communicate. It's it's all needs to be considered and, and you know talented. all
0: all of it. Um, for example, if your company um, is a claims to be a good partner, we partner with our customers, whatever that service is, whatever they provide. And you talk about consulting and being a good partner with your customers, then your tagline can't just be about partnership. And, and that's good enough you know your every way that you communicate with your customers needs to be consistent uh, you need to have good customer service I mean if you're if you claim to be consultants and and really helpful for your customers but they can't ever get you on the phone well that may not be a That may not be a logo or an ad, but that is one way that your customer interacts with your brand, and and it's important that um, you are consistent across all touch points.
2: And I think it'd be problematic whenever companies are like, well, we have a logo, we have a look, we have brand standards, we have this, but are you really living the brand and are you exhibiting the traits of what that total brand promises? So that really does trickle into all areas of the business in the end. And yeah, so...
3: Right, so that's, you know, we talk about designing an accurate brand and identity. So you do the research, you figure out what the brand needs to be, you put all the pieces in place so their collateral, their ads look trustworthy, they sound trustworthy, maybe they're pushing a message of, um, you know, call us, we'll be your partner, we'll talk you through whatever we're selling, Um, and then it starts to work, and then all of a sudden their phone lines get uh, blown up by people asking for help, but they weren't really ready for that, and so their people aren't trained to deal with that well then they have to make a choice. Are they really ready to, to have that service message? And are they gonna be able to execute on it or do they need to go back to a, maybe a different strategy?
1: Yeah, it, it, so it sounds like there it also, I mean, it, there needs to be a cohesion not only in the, the way that the designs work and things like that, but also cohesion between the message and the, the operations of the company.
3: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of, a lot of
1: companies get wrong or maybe they miss or underestimate they overlook that that part of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a it's a very good point. Um, so, in order in order to uh, to have like a, an accurate brand brand identity, what are kind of what are some of the steps that we go through? I mean, can we start from the beginning? You know, is there do you jump right in and start designing a logo, or do you ask questions? I mean, what, where do you start? Yeah.
3: So we start with an assessment process, yeah. and uh, a lot of times it's referred to as a three-legged stool, <laughs> um, because you have to talk to, you know, your internal key stakeholders, your executive team. You have to talk to your employees, and then you have to talk to your customers. And by talking to all three of those people, you can, you can basically you can, kind of look at the whole spectrum. What does the executive think they're doing? Does the employees agree with that? Do they even know what they're supposed to be doing? And then do your customers agree? And then once you get that information, then you can start. Of looking through the data. And a lot of times you can find a gap where there's opportunity that they don't even know they have. So then when you build a system based on that, I mean, yes, you're designing a logo and yes, you're doing color and all that, but you're really looking at the messaging more than anything else. And, and you know, how do you make sure that you're communicating what those gaps are if you're trying to fill them?
0: Yeah, you, re- you have to do that. that. That three-legged stool that Chris mm-hmm. mentioned um, really gives you an authentic a comprehensive look at the company, where they really are. Um, so then when you're starting to develop materials, you're starting to develop the brand position, um, then it's authentic. Then you, you know you're working with real material, and you can develop something that's true to the company. Um, you have to do that. Otherwise, you're just asking someone to paint some pictures based on some assumptions. And, and you know, companies are who are going to make an investment in in you know, upgrading their brand or creating a brand, you know, that investment needs to be valuable and it needs to, you know, deliver something that's true and solid to the company. Otherwise, they're just spending money kind of, you know, haphazardly.
1: Right. it needs to, I guess it needs to be, um, substantiated, you know, what we design, there needs to be, that's one of the things I love about here, about Brand Extract and about what we do is that there's a reason for everything, you know, um, it's easy for, um, you know the 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 layperson or, or someone off the street to, to look at a brand like any recognizable brand Nike and say oh well you know look that's cool that that looks cool but there's the there's an actual reason behind that there's research there's data there's you know the the way that things are designed maybe not just the logo but the right. way the shoe is designed the you know the whether it's a rounded edge things like these things that well, you it's guys really are more taking into with. consideration
2: like understanding who your customer or end user is so that you develop or develop a brand presence that speaks to that base like you have to understand your target audience so if you don't then but there's some other brands are more far-reaching you know um just like lego pops into mind you know where it's like it's um not geared towards specific age range a specific gender it's like it's open to everyone but they have the right message and the right kind of story that speaks to that broader audience so anyway
1: yeah yeah so Okay, so first phase or first step is um, is assessment. Um, and then, so where do we go from there once we have kind of mined that data, so to speak?
3: Well, and it's also not always required for the branding agency to do the assessment. Sometimes a company will come in and they've already done a little of that themselves or they feel like they really do know who they are. And sometimes they're right. <laughs> you can trust them. <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes you can take that information. But so once you have all that, let's say let's say what's called the research... Then you start deciding. Okay, well, you know, we have an idea of what they want to look like and what they want to sound like. And that's when you get to start building the fun part. So that's when you actually build the brand identity, which is the
0: collection of logo and color and styles and all those pieces. And one of the things the creative group does, and Chris would lead this, is you know to research the competitors in that space because you you want to make sure. Regardless of the story you want to tell, you also want to make sure that the company is going to look and feel distinct and have its own identity. So you don't want to copycat. You don't want to look like the other the other people in your space if you can avoid that. So there's there's creative research as well, uh, competitive research. Right.
3: So if you look at like on the big players, color is really important. Um, If you look at all the major cell phone companies, each one of them has a unique color. So I think uh, like T-Mobile is like the, the pinkish purple and Um, so that's one thing that you want to look at is make sure that you're not using the same colors as everyone else in your space because color is a major identifier for people Um, and of course you know blue is a super popular color so (laughs) we always try to kind of talk our clients out of just going with blue because they like blue and it's comfortable it's better to pick a color that stands out or if you are going to go for you know good old blue let's pick a shade that isn't being used by all your competitors
1: yeah well that's a really good point um i know that they're, you know colors like you said they're they're a big identifier but they also mean a lot. There's more, there's more thought uh, behind you know why did we use a red here? Why did we use a blue? It's not, it's not just haphazard. Oh, we like the way it looks. To Chris's point, it's um, you know we want to be thought of as like a safety company. Okay. So we're going to use that I don't know safety yellow or orange or fluorescent something or other, um, which may or may not work. But there's there's thought behind why these colors and. These yeah. designs and these shapes go into that. Yeah. So, so okay. So, you, you, in your design, when you're designing the brand itself, these identity, um, these these identity elements, as Chris mentioned, um, uh, is there any is there anything in specific that happens there, or is there anything? Um, do you guys just come up, sketch one out, and say, "Hey guys, here you go. Here's your brand," or is it is it a more laborious process than that?
3: Much more laborious. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what we try to do is get more or less down to one story and one tone that expresses who they are first and then usually there's a couple different visual ways that you can express that Um, so we'll we'll create, we call them toolkits, but a few different ways of looking at how that story can be expressed Um, and they could range from a little bit more conceptual to a little bit more conservative or maybe one's a little bit more loud and one's a little bit more soft Um, and that helps us kind of gauge the client's reaction to them and, and helps kind of them see, we call it, it's almost like different clothing, right? It's the same person, but there may be three different suits that that person puts on, or maybe one day they put on dress shoes, but they'd rather be wearing flip-flops. So, um, there's kind of, it helps them decide what clothes their company should be wearing.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the considerations in that phase? Is it, um, you know, is this a brand that wants to be? Do they have a lot of imagery? Is their brand very visual to begin with, or things like that? I mean, are there is there anything you need to look at about that company? Look into the research and and come up with these different treatments and styles and.
3: There's a, a lot of different, pieces that go into that, right? A lot of um, so, for instance, a company may be bigger and have a much larger budget, and so you know when you're building these that they can afford to do a photo shoot. So that may affect the type of images you use. Um, we work with uh, non sometimes who don't have as big of a budget, so then you try to create a system that relies more maybe on color or patterns or illustrations that, uh, that aren't gonna cost as much to produce. So there's also a lot of that that goes on in the back of your mind while you're doing all this, is what is a feasible solution? Because you can't, you could design something that's amazing and beautiful, but completely could never work in the real world or be executed and blow the client's budget and then they
0: never even get to launch their brand. Sure, yeah. But then if you, then within budget, uh, there are other considerations. You know, if a, if a company's, one of their strengths is that they have great personal relationships with their customers and their vendors um, and their people are a, a big part of that, well then you, you might consider, okay, well we need to, we wanna show our people. We wanna show our people in a positive light. We wanna show our people being thoughtful and helpful um, or show, you know, photography of people being, people being thoughtful and helpful. Um, you may have, uh, you know, there are also, uh, visual elements that can make something look very studious and smart. Perhaps you're a brand that's a thought leader and you want to, uh, be portrayed as someone who's sharing a lot of knowledge. So you may have a look that seems more sophisticated and, and scholarly, um, uh, or you may have a brand that's appealing to young people, so you'd want to have some graphics that are, um, I guess, the word might be edgy or or forward-thinking or or something that's going to appeal to younger people who are you know a little more hip. Um, so there, there are a lot, there's a lot that goes into those uh, visual decisions, as well as the tone, the, the voice. Um, if you again, if you're someone who's sharing knowledge, you may want to sound a little bit more collegiate or a little bit more like a consultancy, uh, and so the the language might be very proper and very formal. Um, again, if you're you know if you're selling skateboards, you're not going to sound like that at all. You know, you're going to sound. Um, um, well, you're gonna you're gonna want to try to sound like the, the audience. Right. So it might be um, a little sarcastic. It might have a little bit of attitude. The the tone. So these are you know all of those things are are, going to con, are under consideration. And I think this is also why
3: that upfront research is really important because I've seen so many times where a company tried to design something that looked young and hip. And it was what their perception of that was, and it completely falls, right. falls flat. And you know those young, actual young hip kids want nothing to do with it. Um, and so it's, if you don't do the research and talk to people, and you try to create something in a vacuum, it's gonna be seen as not authentic. And yeah. nowadays those brands get called out incredibly quickly social media yeah. and things yeah. like that. I'm, yeah.
0: I'm getting up there in age, so, you know, <laughs> the the young people are going to, you know, what they're, the way they're talking and the way they're acting, um, they're in tune to things much earlier than I am, personally, so it's, mm. it's incumbent upon uh, people my age, you know, we have to make sure that we're talking to those people, that we understand them, that we're hearing them, uh, not just what they say, but how they say it, to, you know, to make sure that we're authentic.
2: Yeah, and then also thinking about, like, experiential, like, how we're delivering those messages where it's like for some audiences depending on the demographic and the age group there might be instances where like for example social media might not work so well for them they might you know there might be a different way we need to communicate with them that's a little bit more traditional versus like younger audiences where they will be more receptive to those you know more online social at the moment always fresh new content you know non-stop type of communication styles so um, I think going back to the original assessment process and really understanding who you're speaking to is so important and then it's like sometimes it changes per the industry and in the industry there's multiple layers within that with people who are about to retire uh, the new incoming you know folks uh, who are Taking over job positions, filling in those gaps where people are retiring. So even when you're looking at specific companies, uh, traditional methods that they've leaned on may not work anymore. So it's really trying to understand who you are as a company and or who you're speaking to.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I I love I love Jeff that you mentioned. You know. T- like I mentioned earlier, the layperson may look at this and say, that's a cool logo, but there's a reason behind it. Same thing happens with the language and the, the tone and the voice of that brand. Mm-hmm. You may think that, you know, they're, we're speaking about it in this way, but there's so many ways with language, as you know, um, that there's so many ways to talk about something or to describe something, and there's different words to use and different verbiage and things like that that, that are all purposeful and thought out when done properly. Um, and Cynthia's point about um, about knowing who you're talking to, I think that's crucial because ultimately you're designing a brand, um, you know, the public at large is going to see it, but really you want to design it to resonate with the people, with your target audience, with those personas that you've put up front, so that's a a very important part of of our process here, I think, is defining those personas. Yeah,
2: and I think also it's like, you know, for a lot of these brands, like I'm just you know, what their big promise is. Like, what's your mission, vision, value? What's the big promise? It's like, if the big promise is like, we deliver cutting-edge technology that you've never, ever seen in your life, and then there's a lag in there, like, for five years, nothing new comes out, and it's kind of, you're pumping out the same thing you've been developing for five years, then you're not living that brand. Right. So that's another thing, too, to take into consideration.
1: Yeah. So what's, so once you've, you've decided, I mean, you, you've come up with these concepts, and we've narrowed it down to, to one and, and we've you know the, the client has decided upon okay this is the direction we're going to go what's next is it straight to execution or is it you know is there are there any other conversations that have to happen anything like that or well assuming that everyone's bought into it mm-hmm. i mean the next step
3: is launching it and so then planning that out deciding do you want to launch internally first or do you want to launch internally and externally at the same time um, there's a lot of challenges that go into that. A lot of the companies, especially the, that we work with, have offices all over the country or even all over the world. So how do you try to bring all these people together? There's, so there's a lot of logistical concerns with that too. Um, and it's really important to get it right because you really only get one chance to roll it out. And you won't, and it's important because that's the message that of what your company is, stands for, and does that you know comes all the way down from the CEO and then has to... Go all the way through, you know, the
1: to all different levels of your of your staff. Yeah, it's that first impression. You mentioned it's important to get it right the first time because you only get one chance to make a first impression. Especially if you're going to do it internally, you want you know you want these are the people that are going to embody this brand that you want to buy into it. So. They're
0: ambassadors, so yeah. they need to understand it and be able to use it. Um, and uh, a big part of uh, one of the one of the benefits of the assessment process is when you are interviewing. You know your employees at all different levels and in, in different parts of the world, different parts of the company. Um, you're you're asking for their input. What do they what do they think of the company? What do they think is going to be, uh, where the company's going? Where do they think the company should go? So you're getting their input early on, and so when you launch the brand later, they you know there's a better opportunity for buy-in because they've been involved in the process because you've been listening to them. Sure. So um, when we're when we're doing one of these you know complicated launches that uh, need to reach people in, you know, different time zones, different continents. Um, if they've already been brought into the process, it's a little bit easier for them to, to get excited about it because they're going to be asked to start delivering on the brand themselves in one way or another. Sure.
1: So, okay, so, and and I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that once, you know, once we've launched, once we've executed the brand and everything like that, it's important to continue monitoring, uh, you know, pretty regularly because, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast before that um, – and we, talked, we touched on it a little bit here as well, is that things, um, things are going to change in the market. There's going to be, you know, your, your target customer is going to change. So you, you want to make sure you're staying on top of that and, and, and making sure you're producing something and maybe refreshing every so often, maybe not a full overhaul, but uh, refreshing every so often. Is that, is that about accurate or is there?
0: Well, we've talked in the past about, you know, a brand is a living thing. I mean, once you, once you build it, and you launch it now um anytime anyone interacts with it um it's affected i mean it it is uh, altered so um when a customer interacts with the brand and has a positive reaction and then you know posts some things on social media or you know uh, tells friends or colleagues about this brand um that's, you know, that's the brand uh, living. Mm-hmm. And so you want those impressions to be positive, And you, so you want to monitor how that's going, because, you know, along the way, you might think, oh okay, well, we might need to make a few tweaks, because here's here's some of the feedback we're getting. Here's how people are reacting to the brand. So there might be, you know, a few updates here and there. Sure.
3: So, so I have a good example of that. There's actually a, a new chain that's rolling out. And I want to say about a year ago, it was called Vert's kebab, which is Mediterranean style sandwich kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I went back there recently and uh, I looked at the menu and it took me a second to realize what was going on, but they'd actually changed their name to Vert's Mediterranean Grill. So I'm going to assume that there was probably some research maybe people didn't know what a kebab was or maybe they wanted more than that. Mm -hmm. But you could tell that, and I mean, we're talking within a year, that they probably were talking to their customers, watching their sales, and they were able to kind of do this flip and offer more more different types of food, right? So now they have rice bowls and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the example of monitoring, watching what you're doing, seeing what's working, what's not. And they didn't change, you know, their core of who they were and how they're training their employees, but they saw something was going on with what they were offering,
1: enough that they needed to make that change. Right, that maybe it wasn't resonating, or they, like you said, they they wanted more. So, right. so on that note, that's a, that's a, you know, we like to, what we like to do in this podcast is, is provide some examples of, of, you know, folks that we think have done a good job with branding or, or you know, um, have, have kind of, you know, are, are, I guess, a model example of the topic we're covering. So in this case, um, I don't know if you guys have any particular examples of who you think does a really good job of either adjusting um, their brands accordingly or, you know, have have all the little details covered. You know, personally, I'm a, um, you know, it's well known, I'm a Disney fan. I think they do a really good job of branding across you know, like whether it's theme parks or mm-hmm. you know TV or whatever, I think they do a really con- good job right. of taking care of the little details. In fact, that's one of the things I love about the brand is that all the details. You know, if you go to the theme parks, you, there's right. little things, little things that you probably overlook most of the time. But if you're looking for it, you can see like, wow, they took the extra time to do that. Right. So it's taking care of those little details. Doesn't do matter
2: whether or not it's a physical experience of the park or a product or a movie or a television Video game, series. Or it it's all consistent. It's like it looks. And it feels like Disney doesn't right. matter what it is. So they have
1: those brand standards very well defined.
2: Exactly.
0: I have a an old school brand, um, and, and I bring it up just because it was a you know a brand when I was a kid, uh, Chunky Soup. Okay, Chunky Soup. <laughs> when when I was a kid, was you know you'd see commercials and it was about this really hearty soup. I mean, it's heavy. Um, the the can was in like a maroon label, and it had this big block Western style type. Um, so it's kind of rugged and hearty, Um, and the tagline was something to the effect of, you know, it's so thick you'll be tempted to eat it with a fork, but use a spoon to get every drop, which is a great old-school kind of uh, tagline, and it was true to what they was. It was a hearty meal, right? Well, more recently they did some commercials where they were – uh, NFL players, football players, right? So yeah, with their moms, and with their moms yeah. yes. And it's so important. I, 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 really enjoyed that, uh, that campaign that was on for a while. Um, you're, you're talking, you're speaking to both kids, um, probably mostly little boys and the moms. So you've got these rugged football players who need heavy, hearty meals. You know, they, that's what they, they got to eat hearty meals in order to have the calories to to do what they do every day and the kids look up to them but then you've also got the moms who are the heroes because you know they're obviously speaking to mothers who are going to buy this for their kids um and it was really fun and i just thought that was a real modern uh way to maintain you know stay true to what their brand was so that was that was an example that i i kind of enjoyed yeah
1: cool
3: um so i so we're talking earlier about making a, a brand for young people or rolling out something that's actually cool and hip. I think Apple's always done a really good job of that and specifically their commercials. Whoever is selecting the music for those uh, is doing a great job because they'll they'll pick a song before it's even popular uh-huh. and put it in their commercial and within the next week, I feel like everyone <laughs> is listening to it all the time. Yeah, it becomes popular. Right, right. And I, I guarantee you, they've got you know people doing research, figuring out what, what's popular, who's young, or, And so that's an authentic way of bringing that out, mm-hmm. of bringing that experience to that demographic.
2: Yeah. Cool. No, I do worry for Apple as much as I love it. That their promise again is, you know, just this new digital experience. It's like it's integrated in your lifestyle, but they haven't made much headway in like big technological breakthroughs recently, which I worry about. Yeah. As cool as the visuals yeah. are and everything else, so. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, guys, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for joining us out there. And we'll let you guys get back to your regularly scheduled meetings.
0: Thanks. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Well, another week, another episode. Thanks for tuning in, folks. As always, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Podbean. Take care for now, and we'll be back with more discussions about the world of branding and marketing.